Hi, Mouse Planeteers, and welcome to Mouse Station. In orbit of our Mouse Planet, I'm Mike Demopoulos, our former Walt Disney Old cast member. And I'm Mark Goldhaber, editor and staff writer here at MousePlanet.com. Welcome to the podcast. Just about every weekday, we broadcast live from this orbital outpost, bringing the latest from the world of Mouse Planet. You can send us feedback by sending email to podcast at MousePlanet.com or by calling our toll-free feedback line at 1-866-939-2278. We love it when you call the feedback line because then we can play your call on the show. In honor of tomorrow being Disneyland's 52nd birthday and Mouse Planet's 7th, we're basing just about every topic today on Disneyland. And now, on with the show. Now it's time for the tip of the week. This week's tip of the week comes from listener Dave Welty. Dave writes, We discovered this while watching the electrical parade last weekend at DCA. There are a few places along the parade route where there are retaining walls, fences, and other obstacles that prevent guests from sitting there. If you choose a spot that is opposite of these areas, you will receive extra attention from parade performers. Entertainment cast members are trained to always interact with the nearest guests. When there are only guests on one side of the parade route, these guests get all the attention. Our daughters experienced extra time with several performers simply because we were the only audience in that section. We also noticed this in Disneyland next to the Alice in Wonderland attraction since the Matterhorn side is closed off to guests during parades. I'm sure these areas exist in other Disney parks as well. That's a very unique tip of the week. I never really looked for those areas when I plan out my parade seating. What about you, Mark? We don't always take those into account, partly because by the time that we go to the parade route, those spots are usually taken by other people that know about them. But uh, yes, actually, when I was first reading it uh, about the route in DCA, I was thinking about the spot by Alice in Disneyland because we did see, I think it was... It may have been the Aladdin parade from there. I think that was my first experience seeing the spitting camels from there is what it was. At Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom is also a similar spot by the bridge into Liberty Square from the hub. So that's another spot where you can be the only people there. But yes, there are spots where the parade makes close turns or in some other case is only got one side exposed to uh, the guests, and those are great places to hang out. And I'm sure that there are plenty of people who will write in and tell us about their uh, favorite places to watch parades from, especially if they are places where there's only one side that has guests and therefore uh, special attention. And that's our tip of the week. Do you have a tip to share with our listeners? Send it in to podcast at mouseplanet.com or call it in to 1-866-939-2278. We'll give you credit on air if we use your suggestion. Featured Attraction In our Featured Attraction segment, we give you information from Mouse Planet's park guides. This week, we're going to look at the Disneyland Railroad at Disneyland Park. Why? Because it all started with a train, and since it's Disneyland's birthday, where better to go? 
The park guide describes it as the Disneyland Railroad may be the park's greatest expression of Walt Disney's personal life. Along with many of his inner circle, Walt was a train buff, and a train ride was in the earliest conceptual drawings of Disneyland, even when it was planned as a much smaller endeavor in Burbank. Up to four trains can ply the circular track around Disneyland at any time, with a variety of different car types, and each engine is unique in construction. The railroad is also the only way to see the Grand Canyon and Primeval World dioramas, and also provides a unique view into Splash Mountain. That's right, uh, when Walt was first coming up with an idea for Disneyland, one of his earliest descriptions of what he wanted was, it should be like nothing that anyone's ever seen, and it should have a train running around it, or it should be surrounded by a train. The train is kind of the, uh, the signature, if you will. There are four stations, or is it three stations at Disneyland? Uh, let's see. We got Main Street... We got Frontierland. Right, we, we, right there's, main, there's four. There's, there's Main Street. There is the uh, New Orleans Square Critter Country yep. uh, stop, the Toontown stop, and the Tomorrowland stop. Yes, yeah, so there's four. The Tomorrowland stop, of course, is, is hidden in the back. If you don't know to go all the way back behind, well, I guess it's now Interventions and Autopia, you're never going to see that Tomorrowland stop, but that is where you get on just before the uh, Grand Canyon and Primeval World dioramas. What's, speaking of the dioramas, what do you think of them? They're, they're kind of nice to watch. Um, it's, it's nice, different scenery. Good to see that some of the dinosaurs from the um, Ford Wonder Rotunda at the 1964 World's Fair in New York found a home. Because it's dark, my son isn't overly thrilled with them, but it, I, 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 enjoy dry, I enjoy riding past them. Yeah, I enjoy them. It makes it unique. And I think the train is just so much more enjoyable at Disneyland than it is at Disney World, just because it feels more like a train ride, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? I'm not sure what you mean. Like, the whole experience feels like I'm actually on a steam train, which I know I always am, and it feels like more of an escape when Disney World, you know, it feels more like a mode of transportation to me. Okay. Um, of course, one, one interesting thing is, aside from one train set, the Disneyland passenger cars face the inside of the park, whereas the Walt Disney World Railroad, the, car, the uh, passenger seats all face forward. So that's an interesting difference between the uh, train sets at the two parks. Also, the scale is different. I don't recall the exact gauge differences. If I can find the link to Steve DiGaetano's um, page. Steve's one of the authoritative uh, resources and experts on the Disneyland Railroad. He's even written a book about it. And he's got a site, I believe, that has every detail you might possibly want on the uh, railroad. And so you, you should be able to find it there. If I can find that link, I'll put it in the show notes. But it's um, interesting that they can control what you see from the train a lot more easily by having the train cars face the park. At Walt Disney World, 
you can very easily just be looking off into the woods on your left and missing a whole bunch of stuff. Plus, they have to find something to entertain the people looking to their left rather than just having to decorate one side. Well, I will have to say, I like the C configuration better in Disney World because it feels like more like a train. What I would really like to see at a Disney park is a train be built with real inside passenger cars. So it actually, you know, feels like a like you like you board onto like a real old style train, and you have you have the different seat compartments, and you know it looks like you know it's a it looks like a passenger train. And that's what it feels like, and you just do one loop and you get off at the same spot. Now, that yep. is what I would like a lot. They had that originally. Really? They had, they had to change it because the, um, the views were terrible. Because how, how do you put the windows in so everybody can see out and still make it look and feel authentic? Can't. I'm sure there's an imaginative somewhere that could come up with a creative solution. But anyway. It's called the Lily Bell. <laughs> For those who don't know... The Lily Bell is a special passenger car that was a private car used by Walt Disney to entertain guests. And every once in a while, for VIPs, they will put the uh, Lily Bell on the tracks and take them around for a ride in the Lily Bell. There was a great, uh, again, speaking of Steve, Steve DiGaetano, um, and Steve, I mispronounced that, please, you know, apologize. Uh, accept my apology, but uh, Steve wrote a story on the history of the Lily Bell for Mass Planet, and we will link to that as well from the show notes. So, on a scale of five times, Mark, what would you give the Disneyland Railroad? I'd give it a uh, four and a half. I'm going to give it a five, just because it's an attraction that I absolutely love and have to experience. First thing when I'm at Disneyland. Not so true at Disney World, but Disneyland, definitely got to experience that first. All right, let me ask you an interesting question. What's your favorite station? New Orleans and Critter Country. How come? Because you can walk out of the, you can get off the train, run over to the mint julep stand, get a mint julep, and hop back on the train before it leaves. (laughs) I've done it. Only with no crowds. Yes, but I've still done it. Actually, no, I did that during the... Start of the 50th, which was pretty crowded. And you got onto the same train before it left? Yep, same train. Wow. I, did, I actually did that twice. Um, involved m- me running and maybe not being as polite as I should have been, but I still did it. <laughs> and there's nothing like those mint juleps. Um, for me, it's probably a toss-up between the Toontown station, because as soon as you get on, the next thing you do is ride through the facade of It's a Small World, or the Main Street Station, just because it's that authentic feel, like you're actually going into a a train station and getting onto a train that is of the same period. And, And, you know, just hearing the boarding call on Main Street, there's just something about it. Yeah, that's true. Hearing the boarding call is pretty magical. Or... We'll put a link to the Disneyland Railroad Park Guide page in the show notes. Review System Spotlight! Once again, we spotlight reviews of one restaurant or resort from Mouse Planet's review system. This week, we're going to look at the Blue Bayou in Disneyland Park, which is described in Mouse Planet's Park Guide as 
Blue Bayou is just one of two wait-a-service restaurants in Disneyland, if you ignore the private club 33. It also has one of the great atmospheres, as it is in the same open space as the beginning of the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. If available, ask for a seat next to the water and watch the boats float by. A priority seating reservation is highly recommended, though you can just show up and hope for a slot to open. It was rated 4 out of 5 planets on the strength of 69 reviews. A review rated as helpful by 3 out of 3 people is a 5-planet review by Pixie Dust 808 of Kapolei, Hawaii, who visited on March 11, 2007. The review reads as follows. We made priority seating well in advance. We made it for late lunch. We had tried to check in early to let them know we'd be willing to wait for a waterside table. However, we were told we could not check in until our priority seating time. My husband jumped back in line, which was incredibly long, and by the time he reached the front, it was our check-in time. We, knew it, we waited another 10 minutes for our table. We got a big table one row away from the water. The ambiance is incredible. Our party of nine could hardly keep our excitement in check. We got prompt service, hot rolls, and water. Our waitress was very attentive and smiled, which is a plus. I love it when my cast members are happy. Everyone ordered and just enjoyed the scenery and environment. We watched the boats go by. We were close enough to hear the old man's banjo and to hear people talking in the boats. We waved quite a bit. The wedge salad and gumbo were delish. I tried to get others to give me theirs, but with no success. My daughter and niece both fell asleep before the food came. Our waitress said that the dark fools him into bedtime. We all thought that, we all thought that was funny. Our meals came and we chowed down. I had the braised short ribs, three others had the prime rib, one ordered the chicken, and another ordered the mushrooms with couscous. Anyone who had red meat said they would definitely order the same again. Sis-in-law said the chicken was okay, and my brother said he was glad to have tried something different with the mushrooms, but will definitely order prime rib next time. We ordered a mac and cheese for my daughter, but she fell asleep before it came. Our waitress happily offered to either box it up or take it off the bill. I wasn't expecting to have a choice, but since we had sampled it, we boxed it up and took it back for leftover eats. Our group ordered one of each dessert, and there were no complaints, nor were there any leftovers. <laughs> the absolute best thing about this restaurant is the atmosphere, hands down. Total for seven meals and tip came out to $260. Normally I would cringe at such a bill, but the experience and memories are priceless. Plus we got some souvenir menus and sugar decorations from the desserts. Every time we talk about the trip, we always talk about the Blue Bayou first and most. I've gushed about the food, the service, the mood, and atmosphere, but here's the best part. As we were eating dessert, the ride broke down and went down for the rest of the meal. It was awesome getting to watch the cast members and maintenance folks turn on the lights and walk around and tinker with stuff. All in all, an awesome and enjoyable experience. I will definitely be making this a regular stop on my future visits. I love the Blue Bayou. I, the omniance is great, but they didn't try the Monte Cristo sandwich, which is, in my mind, the only reason to go. Not the only reason, but a big reason to go. Put it this way. I'm allergic to pork. I get violently ill, but I am willing to be violently ill for the Blue Bayou's Monte Cristo. <laughs> it's funny that you are saying it wrong the way that many people say it wrong. The sandwich is called the Monte Cristo with a T. 
But quite a lot of people, because it's deep fried, call it the Monte Crisco. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. The deep frying. I just the joke is just you know. Anyway, yeah. what do you think of the restaurant, Mark? Well, I've always enjoyed it. Uh, our last trip out in 2005, we had a very nice dinner at a table. Excuse me, we had a very nice lunch at a table on the water with some friends. Service was a bit slow, and we had an issue with one friend of ours ordering a vegetarian Monte Cristo and getting a non-vegetarian Monte Cristo. And wait, wait, he, wait, wait, wait. Did they make a vegetarian version? Yeah. They just take the, the uh, pork out, basically, and I think they stick in a couple of extra types of cheese. Ooh. So that means I can have my Monte Cristo and not get sick. Mm-hmm. Wow. But um, because, because he can't eat meat at all, he uh, had to send that back, which threw the timing of the meal off. So we ended up, my wife and son left to look for something in a souvenir stand, and um, one of our friends went to get fast passes, and the other friend and I sat and waited for him to finish and for us to get the bill. Um, but otherwise, we love the, we love the um, atmosphere, the food is great. I have not eaten there since they changed the menu last year, so I can't speak to the new menu. Um, but another review in our review system notes that things have improved since the initial complaints last year. You can check them all out on the review system page that we will link to in the show notes. And um, for me, it's just really nice to be able to sit there and watch the boats go out and to hear the banjo and see the fireflies and it's just a really great environment. We'll put a link to the Blue Bayou review page, as well as its park guide page, in the show notes. Don't forget that you can access the user review section of Mouseplan from a link on the left-hand side of any page. Just click Use Reviews. And don't forget that you can post your own reviews when you come back from your trip. Ask the kid. If you ever wonder what it's like to be a kid at Disneyland for the first time, well, this year chance is where we or you can ask Mark's eight-year-old son, soon to be nine, sometime, a question about anything Disney-related. So let's play the clip. Well, it's not it's not uh, Disneyland this week because we didn't have any Disneyland questions left in the queue. So this is our non-Disneyland section of the show and we're back with ask the kid this week's question from comes from listener vance cope who writes what country is your favorite in epcot if future world counts i would pick that but it's not a country it's in the separate it's in the other part um so i would have to say um the american adventure and why is that because i like the voices of liberty and american dream and all that kind of stuff. It's just awesome. Okay. And anything particular about it that, that makes it special? Well, I can't really think of any other things that make things special. But if future world countries, well, places count, then I would say um, the land 
mission space or um innovations i, I mean inventions <laughs> gonna mix that with those words Okay, and that'll wrap it up for this week's Ask the Kid. We'll be back with another question next week. You know, is it any surprise that he keeps wanting to go back to Future World and to Soarin' and Mission Space? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's not a country. No, it's not a country, but you know, he, 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 whether it's what's his favorite attraction, where would he go with his favorite character, he keeps going back to Soarin'. So, but, um, you know, we, we were talking about the Voices of Liberty the other day. He was asking me something about one of the songs that they sang. But it's, it's the point where I had to make a copy of all the songs on the two CDs I have from them so that he could have a copy to put in the uh, CD player in the living room and I would not have to put my originals in danger as it were because <laughs> it's a little more difficult to uh get a hold of them right now even though i do think that you can probably still get them from the liberty voices website um liberty voices being the actual name of the group that performs at disney as the voices of liberty i'm not sure if there's if they're both still available right now but um they may be but it's it's uh, interesting that he picked American Adventure. I'm wondering if it was because um, when we recorded that one, he was doing a bunch of patriotic songs in school, or if it's just because he does like that the uh, best of all. I know he also likes listening to the uh, to all the drummers that would include the Taiko drummers in Japan and Orisi Risi out at uh, the Outpost. <laughs> Yeah, your son's just one of those unique characters. By the way, when does he turn nine? A little less than three months. Ah, he'll have a completely different perspective when he's nine. Okay, it'll be the same one, just maybe he'll be focused on Animal Kingdom. Uh-huh, nudge him that way. You've got Animal Kingdom, he's got Soren. Uh, well, we'll see what he says in a year. He might change. You never but know. But anyway, never know. And now it's time for this week's Magical Moment. This week's Magical Moment comes from Stanton Wong. Stanton writes, When my nephew was just two years old, we took him to Disneyland for the first time. Outside the gate, we ate Nilla wafers, his favorite, before going into the park. He could still not talk, but it was fun to see him point to the train and fire engine. We eventually made it to the carousel, and when strapping him onto the horse, I noticed his Nilla wafer in his hand. He was so excited and overwhelmed, he still had not eaten his snack after 45 minutes, now completely soaked by being clenched in his hand. Anyway, after riding the carousel, we began to unstrap him and noticed him hanging onto the brass pole with both hands, shaking his head, clearly not wanting to get off. Imagine my delight when the cast member came by thinking we were having problems with the belt, only to see he wanted to ride again. The cast member then said, Aw, do you want to ride again? You can stay all day long if you like. That's Boy, cool. We're, 
Where were those cast okay. members when my son got fixated on a ride? That's that's great. That's great. That's an awesome magical moment. It you know, especially the carousel, which I don't believe ever has horribly long lines, so it's not like you would it would really hold up the floor of the attraction. Now, if that was Everest, I don't know if they'd be so willing, but you know, that's really cool that he was able to stay there and have him ride as long as he'd like. Now, he didn't tell us. How long do you think they they rode for? I don't know. I don't know whether they just rode one more time or if... Uh, 80 more times. If, yeah. Let us know, Stanton. We'll take advantage of, of this uh, magical moment to remind you that our magical moments queue is really short now and we can really use some more for future shows. So if you've got a magical moment that you'd like to share with our other listeners, and it doesn't have to be a park uh, magical moment, it can be a movie magical moment or a Disney theatrical magical moment or a song or whatever else. Either way, we'd love to hear it, and we're sure our other listeners would as well. Send it to stories at mouseplanet.com or call the toll-free feedback line at 1-866-939-2278. Your story may appear on the podcast, and it'll also be considered for inclusion in our Cast Plays column on the Mouse Planet website. And don't forget that magical moments are best when they're told in your voice, so So call call that that feedback feedback line. So do you have any feedback on this show or in any of our uh, previous shows or even on the new format for the show? You can send us feedback to podcast at mouseplanet.com or call our voicemail at one 866 Nine three nine two two seven eight. You can submit your magical moments to stories at mouseplanet.com or call our toll-free feedback line. Stories will also be considered for inclusion in the wonderful Cast Place column on the Mouse Planet website. Don't forget our listener survey. We have a link near the top of the podcast page and in the show notes. We especially are looking for feedback on what you think of the show. Also, please go to the iTunes podcast directory, give us a great rating, and vote on the helpfulness of the other ratings. The higher our rating is, the more people will be able to find us. And if you just want to show all your friends at the office how cool you are, and you are guaranteed to get recognition by wearing this apparel, go to cafepress.com slash mouseplanet. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today. Remember that we have new shows just about every weekday. Don't forget to visit mouseplanet.com for the complete park updates every Monday and fresh content every weekday. For more Disney news, check out our Mouse Planet Watch podcast every Thursday, which is also available from our podcast page at mouseplanet.com podcast. You'll find our show notes in the new podcast show notes column. They're also linked from the podcast page. We'd also like to thank our fantastic sound editor and audio engineer, Stephen Ng. On Wednesday, we'll have a report from this past weekend's NFFC convention in Anaheim, California. Until then, I'm Mike Demopoulos reminding you it takes people to make the dream a reality. And I'm Mark Goldhaber reminding you to live the magic every day. See you Wednesday. See you Wednesday. How would you like to use your podcasting skills to give back to your community? 
Hello, this is Doug Kay from the Conversations Network, and I'd like to invite you to become a stringer for Podcore.org. Podcore.org is an experiment in crowdsourcing to record audio or video of spoken word events. You tell us where you live and what you can handle, and we'll match you up with great events that need your help to get published online. It's all volunteer, nonprofit, and a great way to use and improve your skills. Just go to Podcore.org today and join our team. Thanks.